Good morning, everyone. This is Skinny. Welcome to Skinny on the Home. We're brought to you by 84 Lumber Company. Spring, I think, I think, is finally here. I have a, I have some banana trees in my yard that I uncovered, so hopefully they can start sprouting up and not freeze on me again this year. But uh, hopefully spring is sprung, and uh, I see some green starting to come around. But um, 84 Lumber is a great time to stop by. Look at what materials are in stock, if they have anything in stock. No, I'm just kidding. The uh, With lumber prices and shortages right now, there's scarcity of supply on a few things here and there. So stop by your local 84 Lumber Company for all your building needs. The team at 84 Lumber will help you get ideas and materials together. Whether you're uh, doing a DIY project or you just want to see what's available in stock or looking at building or remodeling. 84 Lumber can supply all your building and construction materials. You can visit 84lumber.com for more information. I'm your host, Jimmy Skinny McKinney. Answering your questions can give you the skinny on home improvement, remodeling, designing your building, whether you're doing it yourself, having a friend or relative help, or hiring a professional. Skinny on the Home, we're here to help educate you on the latest products, trends, designs, techniques, and give information. And this week, um, we are all things insurance. We have... Uh, we have uh, David Le- David Thornton with Greater Lexington Insurance in the studios with us today. Hey, David. Good morning, Jimmy. Thanks for uh, joining us. And uh, a little history, me and David, uh, I think we've known each other since I've been in business. Uh, David was, uh, um, as uh, insures J&R Construction and even me personally with some of my, uh, with my home and auto and some life insurance and and all things, but all things for the company, vehicles, general liability, um, all those things. So we've known each other for um, almost about 17, 18 years now. And um, so David and his team do a great, great job for us. And David, just uh, so introduce yourself and kind of how you got into the insurance business and what is what is Greater Lexington Insurance? You know, you hear some of these national ones, you know, that you see on TV and stuff like that. But kind of the benefit of a, of a local agency like yourself and those things. So, Right. So uh, after college, I uh, was playing polo professionally, moved uh, down to Australia. And uh, when I came home, I needed something to do. And my insurance agent would tell me about every six months, there's a desk right there if you ever decide you want a real job. And, you know, it's one of those things. I fell into it and loved it. Uh, we joined the Home Builders Association back in 1984, and construction, construction-related insurance, insuring builders, insuring homeowners, has really been what I've done since 1984. Greater Lexington Insurance is, uh, we still run our business in silos. I've got an expert that just does life and retirement. I've got two of us that do commercial lines. I've got three people that really enjoy doing the personal lines, the house, the car, the toys. And uh, so other than long haul trucking, if you need it, call us. We've got somebody that knows it. Yeah. And what would you say um, business versus um, individual homeowner uh, relationship in business? Is that is that a 50-50 or do you do you more businesses, more commercial? We have fluctu- fluctuated over the years. I have been as much as 75% commercial. Some of that's a reflection of what was going on in the market. Today, we're very happy at about a 50-50 split. Okay. And how many uh, work, in the, work in the agency now in the office? Uh, there are seven of us now. Okay. And um, what about 
um, any any personal um, like um, any medical any you don't you don't do any of that stuff is that right or do you we do some medical uh, the reality is with the ACA most individuals uh, would prefer to just go through healthcare.gov see what they can do see what uh, rebates are available or what assistance is available we still do work for our employers. So you need a small group plan. Yes, Jason and I are tickled to death to jump in and help you with that. But really, there are very few options for an individual at this point. So we we, yeah. we, we do stay on top of it. Gotcha. Excellent. So let's get into uh, all things insurance today. So just some um, with uh, Greater Lexington and the uh, some things that we wanted to talk specifically about today were um, if somebody's going to do a remodeling project or a home improvement project, even if somebody is going to, you know, we talk about with uh, some of our clients, if a, if a homeowner is going to do their own project and let's say they just need a drywaller to come in or a plumber to come in. And uh, one thing we talk about is, or try to help educate on is in the state of Kentucky, if, Say your drywall or plumber is a one-man show. By law, they don't have to carry workman's comp insurance. Is that correct? The statute presumes that a sole proprietor is excluded under the workers' compensation statute. In other words, I'm not going to sue myself if I get hurt. Right. So the presumption is that he would not be covered. Therefore, there's no obligation until he either has an employee exposure, i.e. he has a 1099 employee, or he has part-time labor or seasonal labor, those things all constitute the necessity for work comp, or if by contract he has to carry it. Mm -hmm. He's going to work for a general contractor instead of the public. That GC may say, hey, wait a minute, by contract, you have to show me evidence of a policy. Well, we'll answer this. So let's say, say you're the plumber, and I'm the homeowner, and I want you to come over and do some work, and you have to climb a ladder to do a fixture and you slip and fall and you break your leg. Um, and let's say you don't have medical insurance personally and now you've got all these bills that are going to start piling up. Who is, who's liable for that? Am I, as a homeowner, is my homeowner's insurance policy? Or because you didn't carry workman's comp insurance, that's just on you as a company? That's just on me. That was a decision I made not to cover myself under the workers' compensation system, and I was also in violation of the the federal decree that I had to have health insurance. So the homeowner is not expected to have enough knowledge to require that. So the homeowner can't be held liable for that injury unless that GC or less that plumber can show some sort of an employee-employer relationship. Hey, David, I know you do plumbing. I know this isn't your day job, but look, I got this project going on. I'd like for you to come over on Saturdays and work with me. I'm going to give you 15 bucks an hour. Ah, starts getting in the gray area. Now you're getting in a gray area. I can mm. probably convince an administrative law judge that there was an employee-employer relationship while I was at they your home. They were hiring me by the hour. So they I should have yeah, What it, we yeah. tell our homeowners is, look, just don't get into that gray area where there was no discussion. Have a written contract. If it's a subcontractor, work him under a written subcontract agreement. Hey, I'm a homeowner. I'm not a builder. I'm not an empl- I'm not an, uh, an employer. I want you here doing the job. I'm going to pay you for whatever you and I agree to for the job, but there is no employee-employer relationship. You know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of times we don't think about 
entering into a written agreement for that type of relationship. You know, if I just need you to come over and change out my toilet, you know, I just call you and you come over. You know, but having some some type of either even if it's a one page something that kind of defines that relationship and just helps protect you as the homeowner, but also now let me ask you this is um because most of what we do when we contract or do work with someone involves written contracts. You think about it. I mean, if you're going to rent a car, it's it's not a handshake deal. You know, if you're going to get a credit card, there's a whole application and a whole contract you're filling out. So all the little things. Um, so that's that's a um, that's a good education point. The but can't um, as a homeowner, can I require? Can I say, David? Uh, you know, um, I know you're coming over to work and. You know, do you carry workman's comp insurance? You say, no, I don't have to by by law. Well, can you get coverage while you're here? Can I can a homeowner request that? And what does that look like for the contractor as far as an amount to pay? Because I've we have a lot of subcontractors that um, sometimes we don't do business with or when they come to us to want to work for our company, maybe they don't carry workman's comp insurance, but we get them in contact with you guys if they're even a sole proprietor. We, as a general contractor, they're under our policy, so we're going to have to pay for them if they carry it or not. Correct. Um, but the cost of that and kind of what the steps are for that. for So let's look at that from, from two perspectives. A lot of guys that tell me, hey, I'm a sole prop. I'm not going to hire anybody. Um, I want them to understand that there is a policy available just called an if-any policy. And what you're telling the company is, I don't have any payroll. I don't anticipate I'll have any payroll. But if I do, I need to make sure that they're covered. And generally, a contractor is going to spend 700 bucks a year, and he's good. He's covered. And that makes the GC happy. That makes the homeowner happy, and it's covered. I think My- I should change that name to an if-oops policy. Hey, there you go. <laughs> But, uh, Very good. I'll have to remember that. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. The greater concern for me as a homeowner would be that they present me evidence of their liability policy. I've got the plumber in there working in the bathroom. He's resetting a toilet, uh, but he he breaks another line, and now I've got a thirty thousand dollar water claim downstairs. I really want to know that he's got a liability policy instead mm-hmm. of having to depend on his good nature to come in and take care so of it. So you're telling me if I, if you came over and you were just going to change out my toilet, and let's say you cracked the drain underneath and then that leaked for a period of time and you did $30,000 worth of damage, my homeowner's insurance policy is not going to cover that? Your homeowner's policy has a couple of, I mean, the homeowner's policy has got an exclusion that everybody needs to be aware of that says faulty workmanship. Mm. If that plumber just didn't install it correctly, we've got no obligation to put another one in. But every homeowner's policy is going to pay for the resultant water damage. Now, that homeowner's company is going to turn around and then say, but who did this work? Mm -hmm. And then they're going to subrogate it back against the contractor. And that's why I say it's always a good idea to have evidence of that general liability just in case. You don't want to get to that point where the homeowners or you pers- the homeowners insurance or you personally are trying to find out who's responsible and does he have insurance. You want to know beforehand. Okay, here's another um, scenario. I'd say, okay, show me your general liability insurance, and you go out to your truck and you get a certificate and you bring it in, and you give it to me and say, here you go. And I think, as a homeowner, okay, you've provided me with that certificate. 
what's the what is the downside to that? Is there any is there anything wrong with that? Is that how the normal business is? Um, you know, you also hear about getting listed as the additional insured on things. So, what's the protections? Because uh, we've run into a lot of scenarios, and you know this probably. A guy can come to you and get insurance, pay his first month's bill, and not pay any more, but have a certificate that shows he's got insurance through the rest of the year, right? So, so the keys there are very simple. For a certificate of insurance to be valid, and a certificate only evidences what is in place the second that that certificate is printed. Anything that he's carrying with him, it's great that he's got it because now you know who his insurance agent is, but it's worthless. So for a certificate to be... So maybe if you get that from someone, maybe not in front of but maybe go back, call, call the, the agent. agent. Can I get a current certificate? Exactly. Yeah. A certificate has to be original. It has to have the contractor's name exactly as it appears on your contract and on his, uh, whatever it's, whether it's a registration as Secretary of State or how he's doing business with you. And it needs to have your name, the homeowner's name, as the certificate holder with your current mailing address. So the best thing to do... So certificate holder, not additional insured. Is there a difference? Uh, an additional insured means I'm sharing your insurance, Mr. Contractor. So a certificate just shows that he's got coverage. When you ask for additional insured status, that means the contractor has to add you as a covered entity on his policy. And what that does for the homeowner is if the contractor creates damage where he's going to get sued and he's going to get the homeowner sued, they both have coverage under his policy. So do I need to, as a homeowner, have my contractor listed as additional insured or just I just need to be the certificate holder? So if I'm in a single family home, what is it that the trade contractor can do that's also going to get me the homeowner sued? There's very little. If you are concerned about it, sure, go ahead and ask for additional insured status. But it's really not necessarily. You just want to know that he has insurance and it's in place at the time. Yeah. And that's, again, if if somebody's giving you a certificate, you know, especially, you know, in Kentucky, we're in a kind of a an area of the country that has a lot of wind damage and storms and you start seeing, you know, when a hailstorm or a thunderstorm comes through, it seems like you've got uh, roofers with out of state area codes that start flying into the area, which are not always a bad thing, but you know, cause they need, people need help getting their stuff back together. But if they're handing you certificates and things like that, you want to make sure before you commit or, um, write that, that you'd follow up and double check that. Absolutely. Now, is there a, uh, I guess, is there any online resources that somebody can see if somebody has a policy and it's current? Or let's just say if, if somebody is uh, um, says they have it and you didn't think about it, you didn't get a certificate from them, they didn't give you a copy of one, is there a way that I can, as a homeowner, go online and search a company? And Workers' Claims in Kentucky is a part of the Department of Labor. And the Department of Labor, I didn't bring it with me, I'm sorry. Uh, I can look it up on the break. The Department of Labor that does have a website. Uh, but that's only for Workman's Comp, right? It's only for Work Comp. That's right. correct. So if somebody's out of state, I can't. I won't know if they have general liability or not. Won't do you any good. That's gotcha. right. So you want to get a physical copy of that certificate or the insurance company 
that they deal with, so you can call them. You want it to come from the agent. You want it to be original, whether you get it via text, via email, or physically mailed to you, doesn't really matter. You, you want to make sure you've got an original certificate currently dated. Okay, so now let's run through. I get all that, but um, a guy's only got, you know, what am I, what am I looking for, for in dollar amount coverages? Let's say I've got a million-dollar house. And this guy's only got $100,000 for the coverage. You know, is that, what do I need to look for? Okay, I've, I've got their certificate. Now, is there something I maybe need to call the agent, tell them the value of my house, kind of what's going on, so make sure there's enough coverage there, or what do I need to do there? There's two things that we can't answer, don't answer. The first one is, I'm not going to write a check for anybody. You, you, you pay for your insurance, or we can't get along. The other one is, how much is enough? Uh, but what I will tell you is to be prudent. He can't have less than a million dollars in any single occurrence. You, is that you, a law in Kentucky? No, that's just prudent. <clears throat> that's just what okay. you should have. So he's going to say, look, I went to contractor's registration. They said I only have a requirement for 25000 or or 100000 So what? You're not working for them. You're working for me. And mm -hmm. a prudent homeowner is going to require at least a million dollars worth of liability. Okay. So... Uh, General liability policy, make sure there's enough zeros to get to a million on there. Correct. <laughs> and that would, um, so take me through a scenario. When would I need to, when would someone need to enact that policy to work with, um, uh, say, give me a scenario, something happens that, you know, say a plumber installs new lines coming into something, he does it in the summer, the winter comes around, he forgot to insulate the line, it freezes and busts, and it floods the whole house. Is that going back on his insurance, my insurance, combination of both? How does that work? That, that one's one of those things where an engineer or an adjuster is going to have to come in and say, why did it freeze? If it's clearly there was no insulation where insulation should have been, that goes to the, the builder, the plumber that did it. So the homeowner's policy is going to say, hey, look, we'll pay for that water damage. That's fine. We're not going to pay for the discovery, tearing out the wall or replacing that pipe. That was faulty workmanship. But what you should have had was that certificate of insurance where instead of even handing it to your homeowner's company, you simply hand it back to that trade contractor. He creates the claim with his company and they come in and take care of everything. Mm, gotcha. And then I guess that trade contractor's insurance company would work with the homeowner's insurance company to work it all out. With the homeowner directly, or if they've turned it into their company, typically the companies don't work together. If I turn it into my homeowners, my homeowner's adjuster is going to come out, take care of it, pay for what they're going to pay for, and then they're going to subrogate against the other policy. Now, some of our listeners are contractors like myself. So we, as contractors, hear a lot of that and we're like, I don't want to have a claim because then you're going to cancel me on my insurance and I'm not going to have any insurance. And I can't do the rest of my jobs. You know, so let's let's go through some of the myths and fears of that. Maybe some of us as contractors might have for if that scenario happens, are you going to drop me as on my insurance? You know, or, or what's what's the what's the steps in that? So an insurance company looks at a contractor much like they look at anybody else they insured. Was this controllable? So was the was my trade contractor doing everything that he should have done 
prudently, and he just had a coupling fail. Well, no, that's that you had no control. Or what if he just made an honest mistake and And just forgot the insulation? So he's probably going to be renewed, and he's probably going to be renewed at exactly the same pricing that he had in the last policy period. So unless you're having multiple claims and similar issues, I'm probably not going to have my rates increase because of that. It's just nature of insurance always going up you hear but <laughs> that's a separate conversation so hey insurance company I, I was doing this job and i flooded the basement and then three weeks later hey insurance company i was doing this job but i flooded the kitchen uh, mm. you're gonna have to show that that there was a good reason and what you've done to mitigate that you're probably looking at an increase in premium or worse getting dropped and then you've got to go to the excess market which means you're going to be paying more for that insurance mm. That's good. Now, what if a guy has insurance? Okay, you're in my house. We're working. We're under contract. All that's good. And uh, I left family heirlooms sitting out and felt like I could trust the guy, but maybe he sent one of his workers in that you'd never even met before, didn't know. The guy hired him from temporary labor just the day before, and he steals your family heirlooms that were $100,000. What do I do there? Besides call the police, but... (laughs) <laughs> okay, so, Mr. Homeowner, uh, please be aware that you've got people that you don't know in the house and you're not always going to be there. Anything that's valuable that's not tied down needs to be put in a safe or otherwise secured. That's beforehand. So how do they control, hey, I wasn't thinking. I had this one watch that was still on the desk. It was my grandfather's. It's 50 grand. It's gone. There's nothing in the homeowner's policy that says we cover mysterious disappearance. Mm. Now you're looking to the only thing that could have happened were these trade people that were in my house. So you could have asked the trade the trade contractor or the general contractor, give me evidence that you have an employee dishonesty policy so that I know you've got insurance backing. Otherwise, yes, call the police, call my lawyer, litigate. Is that uh, employee dishonesty policy, is that a normal policy that most contractors have, or is that normally not uh, on any written policy? No, if, if uh, you know, janitors uh, as, as a whole are very cognizant of it because they've got a lot of people on a lot of premises. They think about it. Uh, the other trades, it's hit and miss. Um, well, what is that? Tell me the difference between that and uh, you here being, um, is if, if I was you hear about uh, cleaning companies being bonded, you know, to, to do work. You know, bonded is, you hear a lot of that in the commercial world, but in the residential, you don't hear a lot of that. But you see a lot of cleaning companies are bond. They say bonded and insured. Is that bonded? Does that not cover that kind of stuff? That's, that's the employee dishonesty. Uh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Crime coverages, they all go under bonding. Gotcha. So if somebody had a bonded policy, then they're, they've got that. Coverage. In theory, that's what it is. Gotcha. Excellent. So um, anything else there with uh, Joe the plumber working in our house that we need to be concerned about? Uh, Joe the plumber working in the house is uh, plumbing is one of those that actually is a a very safe trade. Um, Ironically, it is also a source of a lot of claims. Uh, Fire used to be the biggest claim in builder's risk. Now it's become water. Mm. So you are correct in the homeowner's realm. 
wind and weather are the big drivers of claims in Kentucky. But in the builder's scenario, the big driver of claims is actually water. So the windows weren't weren't uh, put in correctly. The plumbing, the PEX wasn't connected correctly. Mm. So water has become the real driver on construction projects. Yeah, I had a plumber once tell me, you know, water is what the um, the second the second biggest force in nature or something like that, that, you know, that's, if it's going in places that it's not supposed to go, it's not never good. And especially if it's long-term and as a homeowner, my existing insurance policy, um, you know, is that, um, what, what do they cover over the course of a project? If, uh, you know, we start getting into larger projects and things, um, is there anything else there? Is this is it something that should be reviewed during initial maybe pre-production meetings, pre-construction? If I'm now coming into a, maybe a larger room addition, you know, hundred thousand dollar project or bigger or something like that. So the homeowner's policy is a property policy, and it's subject to all the conditions, terms, and exclusions in a policy. But you've got a client; it's got a twelve hundred square foot house, uh, insured for one hundred twenty thousand dollars. And now he's going to undertake a $50,000, $100,000 renovation. That dramatically changes the reconstruction value of his house. So we have several considerations. The Everything's going along smoothly. Everything's fantastic. Now the replacement value of my house is almost $200,000 instead of one twenty. We have that fire. We have that tornado. What does the homeowner's policy do? Well, it's not a completed operation. So the homeowner's policy can only pay for the replacement of the existing structure that they know about, the completed operation, at the insured amount, which is $120,000. Well, if now that's $200,000, there's a gap somewhere that needed to be covered. So the smart thing for the homeowner to do is say, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to go from 1,200 square feet to 1,600 square feet and a reconstruction value of 250. Go ahead and endorse that policy. On the on the front end. On the front end. Do it on the front end. Yeah, don't don't wait until it's done. I mean, oh my gosh, I get three fourths of the way through. I've spent the money. Whose fault is it? Where am I going to go? No, let's know up front where we're going to go. So I'll tell you, there's not a lot. There's not. So there's some miscommunication between agents because I've had just a, a recent homeowner. Their agent told them to wait until everything was done. If there's a builder's risk policy in place. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. I want to know that that addition or that renovation is covered somewhere. And if I'm a DIYer or if I'm I'm responsible for all that, if my contract hasn't specified who's going to carry the coverage, if I'm dependent upon my homeowner policy, I'm going to make sure it's adequate for when the project is complete. Yeah. So if I'm a homeowner and I, I just want to act as my own general contractor and I want to hire the excavator, the concrete guy, the framer, and all these individual folks, because I've got time to do it, I'm at home, I need to do that on the front end. And then I'm going to ask my homeowner's agent to do two things for me. I'm going to say, can I get a course of construction endorsement so that my policy now covers that that process instead of just the completed operation? And I'm going to ask if I can get some materials coverage? Can I get builder's materials coverage? And those things are available. They may not be as much as you need, but they are available. 
Now, when we get into the, hey, I'm going to I'm going to raise this house. I'm going to put an extra floor in it. I'm going to put an extra thousand square foot addition. I really think you need to be looking to a true builder's risk policy instead of the homeowner's policy, because in a case like that, you've got a lot of people that have a vested interest. So subcontractors and vendors are putting materials on the job site, they've got materials in their trucks. They may have materials stored in their own warehouses or garages. And it's only an inland marine policy that can address those things. The homeowner's policy just can't address those kind of things. Mm, that's good stuff. What about, um, so if the scenario, I've got a $120,000 house, I'm putting a, you know, an addition on the, what about if I hire a contractor, is his general liability not covering that if he builds it and it falls off the house? No. Really? So you got two things going on. You need to have established... But let me correct myself. If it falls down while he's working on it. That's his problem. Is his general liability insurance his not His general liability that? is not going to... Again, he's got a... In his policy... There is an expectation by his insurer that he knows how to build. And because he didn't have it braced, because he didn't have he didn't have studs at the right spacing, he didn't have whatever. If it just falls down, eh, there's really nothing that's gonna okay, cover. So that. he's he's building it correctly and lightning strikes. His general liability doesn't address lightning. What's what's the liability? How is he liable for lightning? So, so we've either got to depend on the homeowners, which okay. does cover fire, but the homeowners had to have been endorsed to include the addition, additional yeah, course money. of construction and the additional money, or we had to have by agreement expected the general contractor or the homeowner. And again, that's why I love a contract. It's all done up front. One of them could have purchased a renovation policy that said, hey, look, I got this $250,000 renovation. I want it covered. Or you could have a homeowner that's buying a house. I've got a house at 123 Main Street. I'm going to buy 125. I'm going to continue to live in 123 while you're doing this eight-month renovation at the new, new house. Well, you may not even be able to buy a policy for a vacant structure that's being renovated. You could do that on a builder's risk that says we're going to cover the existing structure as well as everything that goes into it. So there's a solution you just have to be willing to walk through the entire process with your contractor or with your insurance agent before you get started. So would it would it be best for if I'm a homeowner and I have an existing policy just to contact my agent? Hey, I'm thinking about doing a renovation or I've already contracted to do this renovation. What do you need from me? How, how much can I cover? How much can you cover? Or do I need a different kind of coverage? Exactly. Excellent. So let's talk about um, when you, you talked about um, covering the materials that are on a job. So um, I'm having work done and let's say I'm going to do it myself and I've included the extra material and I have the $50,000 lumber package that gets dropped on site. And then next thing I know, it's gone and it's not being built. Somebody stole it. What the... Uh, what coverages are there for that kind of stuff? So again, on the unendorsed homeowner's policy, there's no coverage for that. It's not a completed part of the structure. But if I've added an endorsement called theft of building materials, 
then that's covered if I could buy enough on the homeowner's policy. If you're going to have a $50,000 lumber package, I probably would like to see a builder's risk policy in place. Yeah. Because the other question becomes, you know, that's easy. I bought it. They delivered it. It wasn't mine until it showed up. If I've got, if I'm going to do this renovation and my electrician is going to go to a supply house and pick up $30,000 worth of fixtures, are they his or are they mine? The homeowner's policy says I'm insured. What if he's involved in an accident? Yeah, what happens? Accident and every single one of them breaks. Who's paying for that? Uh, that's where you have to have a true builder's risk. That's where there has to be in, in, in marine coverage. So either the homeowner has that policy and it, it doesn't. Because with builder's risk written on the inland marine form, it says those materials are covered wherever they are. If it's in transit, if it's in temporary storage, if it's the, and they recognize the subcontractor's interest, the general contractor's interest, the homeowner's interest. Um, I could have had, I've got a house that my mom had in Northern Kentucky and it was built turn of century and she's got a $30,000 chandelier. I would like it in my house. It, it even covers that if you've gone out to the true builder's risk. And again, let your agent know what you're going to do so he knows. Now, if when you're saying builder's risk, in my mind, as a homeowner, I'm thinking the builder's got to get that. Can I, as a homeowner, get what's called a builder's risk policy? You can, and we underwrite for the general contractor. So the homeowner that's going to do the big project and the homeowner's bank has said, you have to have the coverage. I want you to buy the policy. We're still going to ask who's the general contractor because we want to make sure we cover all of those interests. Everybody that's putting material into the house needs to have the protection of it's covered, whether that chandelier was lost at home or at mom's home or in the truck. And those are not uh, getting those types of policies and things. We're not talking thousands of dollars, right? Or what what are we talking on? A hundred thousand dollar project is, you know. 400 bucks for the for the project gotcha and um so that's a that's a good one there so i've always um so if a if i hire a, a general contractor to do the work and i don't have that and we build it say what happens if we we're building halfway through we get the framing up and like kentucky you know wait three days the weather changes we just get the plywood on the roof and then it torrential downpours for a week and then I've, I've removed the siding on the house, so now water has come into the existing house, damaged some drywall, also damaged the subfloor or some of the framing that I just did on that addition, and I didn't have a builder's risk policy. Is anything covered there? The resultant damage will actually be covered by the homeowner's policy. Okay. Water that comes from the sky is going to be covered under a homeowner's policy. Even if I didn't add... Even if you didn't didn't add the the dollar amount, okay, good. So that that makes me feel a little better. So you know, as a as a homeowner, so all those people that are out there that were just sweating, you're you don't have to sweat anymore. So we're good there. So, um, but a builder's a builder's risk policy, you know, for any sizable project, is just a good thing to do or a good practice. David, tell folks how to uh, get a hold of your office if they have further questions or want to sign up with you. Greater Lexington Insurance. We're here in Lexington, 859-224-2477. Website is always a great place to start, www.greater, greater Lexington Insurance, greater, G-R-E-A-T-E-R-L-E-X-I-N-S.com. 
greaterlexins.com. Correct. And um, do you in, you insure the whole state of Kentucky, right? We're licensed in Kentucky. We do have a non-resident in several of the surrounding states, but we do like to stay local. Gotcha. And um, and your offices are right right here in Lexington too. And you know, if even folks want to call and schedule a time to come by and sit down face to face, and we do that as well. Is there anything in um, anything else that we haven't touched on, on existing policies that can be enhanced to? for the overall coverage during a project uh, that might not have been there, or other decisions that what to expect and seeing more coverage if it's necessary? Yeah, if you're going to rely on that homeowner's pro- policy to cover the project, again, make sure you're at replacement cost for when the project is finished. And that becomes problematic in this environment because most people haven't done a new reconstruction guide on their home. Hey, I, I built this house for sixty-five thousand dollars back in nineteen eighty, mm. and I've got it insured for a hundred thousand because of inflation. What they haven't thought about is look at availability of materials and the price of lumber today. That uh, house may actually percent, be yeah. yeah that that house may be twice as much. So if you're going to do this project, I would go through the exercise. And you know the good thing about working with a contractor is you can say, hey, look, just for my purposes. What would it cost me to rebuild this house today? And how much would it cost to rebuild with your addition? Or ask your insurance agent to go to Marshall Swift or one of the good uh, estimators and figure out about how much it would cost. Uh, Because you're going to want to make sure you're insured to reconstruction cost, not loan amount, not valuation, Mm -hmm. actual reconstruction cost. How often would you recommend someone look at or review their policy with their agent? You know, that's tough because most policies have an inflation guard and uh, the policy actually changes the value of your home with an inflation guard four times a year. You only see it once, but what it does is it goes out and measures the increase in cost of construction and adds an amount to your policy every year or you could have bought a simple 2%, 4%, 6%, and your policy will just go up by that amount. I think if you've been in a house for 10 years, it's probably a good idea to think about it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's because you go through these periods. What might have been adequate to build my house in 2019, will not build it in 2021. <laughs> yeah, You know, when you see the newspaper telling you that lumber prices have tripled in three months, eh, you might want to think about it. Yeah. So a good rule of thumb, whether you're doing it yourself, hiring a professional, having a friend help you, if you're going to do a project and you know what that amount is going into that project, go ahead and on the front end, increase your coverage. Increase the coverage or rely on a separate builder's risk policy for the value of the renovation. So whether it's the primary policy or the primary policy plus the new policy, you want to make sure you've got adequate coverage for the full reconstruction value of the project when it's completed. Because if you do it on the front end, I mean, you're going to have, you need to do it when it's done anyway. So might as well just do it on the front end. So then if anything comes up, you're covered. You don't have to worry about it. Right. Yeah, that's a good, that's good advice. Um, anything else with, uh, we didn't even get into vehicles. <laughs> 
Is there anything with vehicles you want to talk about? You know, quick? when you get that certificate of insurance, you know, we, we typically worry about general liability. Oh, my gosh, has he got liability? Oh, my gosh, has he got work comp? He's got these employees out there. And those are legitimate. But I think you should be asking for a certificate that shows evidence of the uh, business auto as well. I had a case last year where a guy took a loaded truck between two houses. He had the clearance to do it. But after the fact, we found out the ground was very soft and he had damaged both foundations. Mm. So, yeah, you absolutely want to know that he's got uh, coverage. So in that scenario, it would have had to have been his Business vehicle auto coverage policy to take care of that. It has to respond to that. Interesting. Now, what if what if the guy only had liability because his, his truck was paid off? That's fine. It, it's, it's the liability we're relying on. Okay. Yeah, as a homeowner, I don't care if you buy comp and collision on your truck. That's what fixes your truck. If you if you want to go bare on that truck and you can afford to buy a new $40,000 truck, hey, that's that's fantastic. But what you're responsible for from a liability standpoint, yeah, I'd like to know that you've got that protected. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, now, is that um, if you didn't have the policy we were talking about, builder's risk that covered material transit and things like that, so a guy goes and picks up your $30,000 chandelier, gets in a car wreck. Is his policy going to cover that? That auto policy will never cover that. Mm. So if this was a professional, if this was a professional trade contractor, he could have added either cargo coverage or an installation floater on his own policy, and that would cover those materials that he's going to install whether they're in transit or... So if I'm a plumber, electrician, or HVAC contractor listening to this, it might be a good thing just to add to my policy just to cover myself so I don't have to buy the $30,000 light fixtures if I have an accident. I think it's a great thing. You know, HVAC is a really good one. Um, cabinet guys are the ones that forget it. Mm. So I've, I've got this $20,000 set of cabinets. They're custom-made. They're beautiful. They match my house. And the installer brings them, and before he gets them up, they've got one screw in, and they drop them. Mm. Whose are they? Mm -hmm. Well, it's not a completed operation yet. His general liability is also not going to address it. There's no homeowner's coverage. There's no liability coverage. He needs to rely on having had an installation floater, or somebody should have had a builder's risk in there. That's good. That's good. All right. Now let's move on to our bonus round. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and uh, didn't give you these so ahead of time. So don't turn red. Don't worry. They're not, they're not too bad. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. Do you match your socks? Yes, I do, actually. Why do you match your socks? Uh, because when I fold them, I roll them together. And well, What if you have a hole in one? Do you throw them both out? Uh, I have been accused of never throwing socks out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ice cream or chocolate bar? Uh, ice cream. Ice cream. You like the, any particular ice cream is your favorite? I, I like the ones that have something going on, the, the chocolate chip dough, the, mm. the cookie dough, the pecan clusters. Or uh, pecan, not so much. The, um, uh, like the turtle one that's got yeah. the, yeah, those kind of things. Yeah. Puppies or kittens? Puppies. Do you have, do you have dogs? We have no dogs now and we have, uh, far too many cats. <laughs> 
that's a that's a different conversation for another day. Um, hot, humid day, sunny, or 70, 70 degree spring day, raining. Oh, I don't care for the cold rain. Uh, 70 and raining is too cold. Okay. Um, snowing, stay inside or go outside? Inside. Stay inside. Don't never did any snow skiing or sledding in your younger days or i i don't mind taking the kids out in the snow i actually do enjoy that but if it's david <laughs> no <laughs> mustard or ketchup ketchup oh man it's ketchup guys all right favorite book or recent book you've read uh i, I i've got three that that uh are an early discussion of the history of diversity and apartheid in south africa uh, that have really captivated my attention. And uh, I'm reading one from the English perspective and one from the Dutch perspective, and it's just, it's, it, that's fun. Yeah. And what's the, what's the, the gist of that, of that, uh, of those? Just on the history of it, or? Yeah, it's just looking at uh, the history, the cultural history of South Africa from the time that the Dutch first landed there at the Cape uh, to when the English came in and the Dutch kind of dispersed up through South Africa and the conflicts they had with the native tribes and then the conflicts the English and the Dutch had. It's, it's, it, I love South Africa and, and just reading that part of history, uh, it's kind of neat. Neat. Good deal. Uh, if you weren't doing your current career, what would you be and why? Training horses. Yeah. Yeah, you're a big horse guy. Right? I, I am. Um and every year I go through that question. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I often think about, you know, if I were going to do something else, what would I do? And I, 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 I would be training horses. Do you have horses at, at the property now? Uh, none on our property. I keep uh, mares down with Joe Mulholland in Georgetown. And then I've got two trainers that uh, keep my racehorses here in Lexington. Okay. Where... Uh is that a Keeneland track? You got any derby winners? Is that kind of uh, racing, or is it a harness racing, red mile? What kind of racing? No, is I've, it? I've got two uh, babies at Keeneland, two two-year-old colts. Um, one of them is very precocious. I actually expect to see him in an early baby race at Keeneland, even at two. Uh, I like the colt. He's he's a nice colt. I've, he's got a training mate that's. Probably not as far along, but he, he'll make it uh, at least by church here. Excellent. Again, uh, Greater Lexington Insurance. You can go online, Google uh, David Thornton. David, thanks thanks again for joining me today. Thank uh, you, Jimmy. Great information. And um, if you have any further questions, you can always call the office. Give them a call. They can go over anything with you. They even review your current policy. Make it a great week, and we'll see you later.